This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ask, petition, supplicate, request, your will be done. It is humbling and embarrassing to admit these words were foreign to me for many years. God was dependent upon me to use my authority in Christ in order for him to do anything. If I found scripture to support what I was believing for in prayer, then I was coming into agreement with the word of God, and it would not be denied in my life. To pray for his will to be done was not something that was done. To have unspoken prayer requests was ridiculed. I was more accustomed to decreeing, declaring, calling things that aren't as though they were, taking my authority, binding the devil in intercessory prayer, and frankly, being very prideful in my way of thinking. I was ignorant when it came to prayer and what scripture truly said about prayer, though I believe myself to be a powerful praying woman of God. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Subscribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Subscribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Subscribe. Luke 22, 41-42 are two powerful verses that help us to understand prayer in one facet of it. And we learn it from Jesus himself. And the verses say this, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And a lot of times you will hear people say Jesus was weak in this moment and that he was, see, he was not uh, truly in his divine state. Some may say that they may diminish what he's saying here and not recognizing the fact that he was truly God and truly man. And the truly man part of him was praying this, but yet at the same time, he, because he understood what was coming. He understood that the full cup of the wrath of God was going to be poured out upon him. And yet he asks, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Because Jesus was going to obey the Father because they are one. Yet there was this, the human part of him that was calling out and praying. And essentially, this does show us in our human state how to pray. It shows us that asking for the will of God is acceptable. We even see this in Acts. Acts 21, after Agabus gives the word to Paul about the accurate prophetic word, I might add, about how he is going to be given over from the Jews to the Gentiles to be arrested and that he's going to be transferred from the Jewish people to the Gentiles. The people right after that, Luke testifies of this in Acts 21, that they began to beg Paul and plead with him not to go to Jerusalem. And of course, you know, Paul is correcting them and saying, you know, you're breaking my heart. I'm paraphrasing, but he says, you're breaking my heart saying these things. He said, he basically, he was willing to die for the sake of Christ. And it says in Acts 21, that when they realized that they were not going to talk Paul out of this, that they said, let the will of the Lord be done. 
you know, the circles that I was in for many years, and I was guilty of this, so I am not going to pass the blame onto someone else and say, this is someone else's fault, because I taught this and I believed this for many years. Praying your will be done was extremely weak. It was a lack of faith, and it was showing that we did not trust God. And yet we see examples of this in Scripture, that we are to pray, God, your will be done, because in essence, we are weak. We don't like to admit that, but we are weak. We trust in the Lord. We know where our strength comes from. Our strength is not in ourselves. If it's in ourselves, then we don't need a Savior. Our strength is in Christ. Our strength and faith is trusting in Him no matter what we face, no matter what we go through in life. And yes, we are promised that we are going to go through trials and tribulation, that we are going to face temptations, that we are going to face hardships and difficulties. And in the same time, there is going to be joy in the midst of all that. There's going to be rejoicing. There's going to be times of celebration. There are going to be times that things are not going to be as difficult or hard. But to tell people that they're not going to go through difficult times or to tell people that all they have to do is just pray a certain prayer and like a genie, boom, snap your fingers, everything's going to get better. That's not true. It's not telling the truth according to what the Bible has to say to us as believers. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is another scripture that is very encouraging to all of us. I know for myself, it's been encouraging to me in the past couple of years in facing some of the things that I face personally and in our family. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. I don't know about you, but sometimes that can be very hard to do that. When Paul is saying here, do not be anxious about anything. And yet when we read in Philippians, we see that he, he even admits himself that he has been anxious about the people in Philippi. Paul was a human being as well. He talks in other passages about how he battled with the emotions of, and the difficulty of being in this human body, in this life, in this fallen world. And he even experienced, he even dealt with some of these things. And yet he still continued to remind himself of his faith in Christ. So these passages like Philippians are a great reminder to us as believers of how we're to pray. We are not anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, to let our requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it's a peace that we cannot comprehend, that we cannot understand fully. But we can rest in his peace, trusting him no matter what happens. See, these are things that were foreign to me for, for many years. These were things that were foreign to me. And it's not to say that I didn't hear on occasion that saying ask or that we pray, but the vast majority of the prayer, the quote prayer I was used to was demanding, commanding, decreeing, declaring, rebuking, binding the devil, exerting authority. It was not humbling. There may have been a false humility to it, but it was not humbling. And looking back now, I see the error that I was in because that's not fully trusting God. I was fully trusting in my own ways, in my own power. It's been heartbreaking too, even in the past few years, seeing all that's going on around us the way that people pray as far as demanding and commanding, and then when those things don't come to pass, 
I wonder what that does to a person's faith. And I ask that not in a condemning way, but I ask that in such a way to provoke the question of, well, what does the Bible have to say about prayer? Am I supposed to pray this way? Am I supposed to be demanding and commanding? Am I supposed to be exerting my authority? Am I supposed to be binding Satan? I mean, the angels we see in Jude, the angels didn't even rebuke Satan over Moses' body. They said, the Lord rebuke you. They would not do that. Jude even tells the people to avoid the false teachers and such that are in that time because they are rebuking the glorious ones and they don't even realize what they're doing. He's talking about the angels there, that there's not authority in that. Those are God's angels, and he has authority over them. So things like that, when I, when I look at Scripture now and I think about how I used to pray, it's very convicting because I realize I was not trusting in God, really. I was trusting in myself, and then when things didn't happen the way they should, then it was always, well, you know, maybe that person wasn't in faith. That person was in sin. We'd pass the buck. That person didn't believe like we did. We had to, they borrowed our faith, and so it's their fault. Instead of wondering, well, what if this is God's sovereignty at work here? What if we're not praying as what the Bible says to pray? What if we're not humbly asking and petitioning God? What if we're overstepping our bounds here and we're taking on more authority than what we really have according to Scripture? And then there's times that things will come to pass, even in the midst of praying and the decreeing and the declaring. I wonder then, is God merciful in that? And he's still sovereign, of course, and no matter what happens, he's sovereign. And I wonder if he's being gracious and merciful, and we're not even realizing that his mercy and grace and sovereignty are on display, and yet we're taking credit for the prayer. I think sometimes, too, we innocently say, well, prayer works. But prayer is a privilege that we get. It's an opportunity to seek God in matters and ask him for things. And at the end of those prayers, we trust him. And when those prayers are answered with a yes, we praise him. We glorify him. We exalt him. We testify of his goodness and his mercy and his graciousness towards us. That we're quick to lift up his name and to give him all the glory and not say, prayer works. Now, I get that when people say that, it's a very innocent way, and they want to acknowledge that praying to God, <laughs> praying to God is effective. But ultimately, we have to realize it's not the prayer that works. What is effective is the God behind the prayer, the one, the one to whom we're praying. That's where the power lies, is in God and His will being fulfilled, and Him deciding, Him choosing, trusting Him in those moments where it's difficult to trust when we can't see what the end is going to be. We don't know. We want to seem like we know, but we don't know. And it's trusting the Lord, having faith in him and resting in that faith that we have in Jesus Christ. I can tell you for myself the day I began to read the word of God in context and to study what prayer looked like in the word was the day that more freedom came in my life, oddly enough. I thought I was truly free when I was praying but it wasn't until going through hardships and learning how to pray this way, according to Scripture, the true freedom in trusting in the Lord and not trusting in my own words and the inflection of my voice. I know that sounds really funny to people. They're going to think you trusted in the inflection of your voice. Indirectly, I did, because sometimes we think the louder that we are, 
the more forceful we are in prayer, the more powerful it is and that it's going to get done. But that's not the case. That's not the case at all. It's not in the tone of our voice or the volume or how loud we're yelling or anything like that. Again, the power is in the God to whom we are praying. And we must remember that. So thinking about these things personally, humility followed. It was one of those times in a multitude where I asked God to forgive me for my ways and for misusing his word. That was a painful time in realizing such error. I tried to find in the Bible where I was instructed to demand and to declare in prayer. Job is one of those passages that people will use that Job's friend says to decree a thing and it shall be established. And let me just remind you that I believe that was Eliphaz, if I'm saying his name right, that said that. That was not God that said that, that you shall decree a thing and it will come to pass. That was Job's friend that said that. And it's a good reminder for all of us that Job's friends were rebuked by God at the very end of Job because God was not in agreement with the things that they had said to Job. And he instructed them to repent before Job for the things they had said. So I tried to find in Scripture where it said to demand and to decree in prayer. And I couldn't find it. I searched out the meanings of words and different verses of scripture regarding prayer, wanting to find answers and wanting to find the truth. And what I found changed everything for me. It brought great conviction and it prepared me in ways I had not anticipated. And when that happened, it was in the beginning, going into the middle of trials that were soon to follow. And the greatest comfort that I had was not in the moments of yelling and shouting and demanding things and commanding, the greatest peace I had was calling the scripture to remembrance of like Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And it was not to put a demand on the word. It was to trust in Christ when difficulty arose. And ironically, I learned how to pray biblically in 2020. It was all so clear and so uncomfortable at the same time. I remember sitting, and I've talked about this before, but Philippians 4, 6, and 7, I remember sitting privately in my quiet time with the Lord and praying something like this, Father, your word says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, to make requests known to you. I am coming to you, and I'm making them known, and I praise you, and I thank you, and I thank you for your peace. It surpasses my understanding. And after making my petitions known and offering up thanksgiving to you, your peace guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I trust you in this situation, and I pray that you are glorified. Now, was I still anxious at times? Yeah. Was I still emotional at times? Yeah. And in those moments of weakness, I was reminded to go back to the Lord and to trust Him. Because when I started to trust in my own understanding, that caused problems. Either way, it causes problems. When we begin to trust in our understanding, whether what we see in this world or in our weakness and our faith of trusting the Lord at times, and if we were honest, we were, we're all at times weak in our faith of trusting in the Lord when things are hard. It's easy to trust when everything's going well. It's easy to trust when there's no waves on <laughs> hitting your boat, right? And that, so that metaphor. But It is difficult. The difficulty comes in trusting the Lord when you can't see what the end is, when you can't see the outcome, when there are things that look really bleak and they look really dark and they look really bad. But you know that at the end of it, God is God and that your trust and your faith and your hope is in him 
and that his ways are higher, that he has overcome the enemy, that there is no sorrow in if, if someone's facing death. If they know Jesus, there is sorrow on this earth, but their sorrow ends the moment they die. If they know Jesus Christ, there's joy in that because they're glorified. All of that pain and suffering is gone. It's over. We're encouraged in the word to trust in the Lord, to pray, to seek him in all matters. There were more times than not that my prayers were whispered through tears and desperation. Supplications were most assuredly on my lips. And should anyone have seen me in those times who saw how I once prayed, they could have possibly labeled me weak and without faith. Because in certain circles, if you don't pray with power and authority, then you're viewed as weak. And unspoken prayer requests, and I was had this same mindset, I was guilty of it. When you heard someone say they had an unspoken prayer request, they were belittled, not to their face, but they were belittled behind their backs. Or it was said from pulpits not to say unspoken prayer requests because you didn't know what that person was wanting you to come in agreement with. You know, things like that that were stated, not realizing that maybe some people didn't want to talk about that. They, they viewed it as God knew what they needed and that they wanted people just to be praying for them. Maybe even to pray, even if it was unspoken to pray, that God would strengthen them, that he would help them, that he knew their needs. Jesus himself even said that, that he knew that the, the needs of his children before he even asked, that the Father knew. But there were things like that that were, that were looked down upon. You didn't have unspoken prayer requests. You used your authority. You didn't pray in a weak way because that wasn't the authority that Christ had given you. And supplication was not something that was seen very much of. And supplication is a pleading. It's a begging. It's an urgent request to meet a specific need that's addressed to God in prayer. There was freedom in asking God, as we are instructed in Scripture, while trusting Him in His ways in all things, to, when supplication came. There, there was great hesitancy to decree and declare as I once had, because though I had been taught and believed I was commanding the devil to do something, I was ultimately demanding God to do what I willed and wanted, and I didn't even realize it. So when these trials came in the past year, year and a half, two years, my prayer began to change personally. I could not bring myself to decree and declare any longer because there was conviction that came with that. Now, some people will, will disagree still, and they'll say, that's weakness. You're denying your power and authority in Christ. And I would just urge you again and appeal to Scripture. Provide examples where you are told to decree and declare and command and demand. And essentially what you're doing is you're demanding God. And the last time... I checked as well. When I even when I look in scripture, another good reminder. There were many services that I was in and I participated in where it seemed as if the focus was more on the devil than on God. Prayer is not to be directed to Satan. Prayer is not to be directed toward demons. Prayer is to be directed toward God. Asking, petitioning, supplicating, trusting, asking for his will to be done directing it to God. I love this uh, this called ACTS that I came across in the past year. It's an, it's an acrostic or an acronym called ACTS, and it helped me to understand the relationship to God and with God in praying biblically. And I realized the importance of, first of all, A is the, in there is adoration or praise unto the Lord. And then C is confession. I brought confessions of sin before him, asking him to forgive me and to help me in ever being in being ever conformed to his image by the Holy Spirit. 
T is thanksgiving, to not forget to offer him thanksgiving. We see this in Philippians 4. All of these in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 are going along with this uh, this acronym ACTS. Thanksgiving to him for his grace, his mercy, his steadfast love. You know, sometimes people will make comments about prayer and they'll say, well, you know, you're just bringing your your complaints to God or you're bringing your your desires to God or you're just, you know, it's almost like there's a diminishing of prayer and saying, well, you're just, how can you expect God to talk to you? It's almost as if they're wanting to say, well, God is going to talk to you in prayer that you're supposed to sit and listen. But prayer is you coming to God and being able to bring your petitions to him boldly before the throne of grace and yet with humility and trusting him. It's not some mystical thing that you're doing when you're praying. And it's not just you bringing your grievances and your your wants and your needs before the Lord. But prayer also involves adoring God, exalting Him, thanking Him, praising Him in the midst of all that, in the midst of having our petitions being made known. And not only that, the last one is supplication. That S in there is supplications that are brought before Him when praying for others and for yourself. It is a beautiful thing when prayer brought before the Lord is saturated with praise and thanks to God, even in the moments of brokenness before the Lord for yourselves and for others. Prayer is not just us bringing our our wants and our needs, but it's trusting. It's trusting in the Lord, the one that we have this relationship with because of his atonement for our sins and, and reconciling us to God the Father that we're able to come and pray. And you know what? The greatest mediator, the only mediator, actually, the only mediator between us and the Father is Jesus Christ. We are not the mediators. Jesus Christ is. He is ever interceding for us. He is at the right hand of the Father. And what he did was sufficient. And he made the way for us to be able to pray. And we must pray biblically. We, as believers in Christ, should be praying biblically. We should be modeling that to our children. We should be engaging in prayer, and we should be taking part in prayer with fellow believers. Prayer does not need to be some long, drawn-out thing for two to three hours. There's nothing wrong with praying for hours, but some people may have in their mind that I have to pray for a certain period of time or God's not going to hear me, or they'll only want a certain person to pray for them because that person has a direct line to God. Says who? There's nothing in scripture that says that. Again, if we view people that way, then we're looking at them as the mediator, whereas Jesus Christ is the mediator. They're not special people that are assigned to pray. All believers are called to pray. All believers are called to make their petitions known, to thank God, to supplicate, to offer praise and thanksgiving to God, to exalt him in the midst of prayer, and not just make it to where you think that it's, well, I'm just making my needs known to God and that's it. But glorifying God and exalting him, that's an opportunity for you to worship God when you're praying, when I'm praying. No matter if we get a yes from that prayer or not, he's still God. He's still worthy of our worship, of our adoration. He's still worthy of glory, no matter what he's worthy. So, I want to encourage you in these matters today on prayer. I believe the lessons that came for me personally, for us, at the, came at the right time because God knew what, what lay ahead. And there is rest in these moments of prayer, a resting in the trust of the Lord and in the truth according to his word. 
Does that mean every day is easy and without hardship? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It does not mean that anxious thoughts do not make their presence known to each of us. What it does mean is that the resolution of his word and the prayer to God and asking him to calm those thoughts wrapped in the cares of this world is what we are to rest in when we're praying to God. And I'll tell you this, for myself, it's been great freedom in spite of what some people may think. It has been great freedom to have that layer of the onion peeled back in my life, to realize how to pray and trusting not in myself, trusting in the Lord trusting him in these matters. So no more is there a need to be a pillar of declaring strength and rebuking Satan, which is, by the way, I might say, unbiblical and it's unwise to do such a thing. The greatest lesson has been this. The power was not, nor is not, in my prayer or within me. The power is in the one to whom I pray, and he is the sovereign God, and I'm to trust in him. No matter what I see with my natural eyes, no matter what this world holds, I'm to trust him and to, and to keep my gaze upon him, to fix my eyes on Christ in every circumstance. If I'm celebrating a healing that someone's had or I'm celebrating something that, that's taken place that where there's no loss, then I exalt him and I glorify him and I thank him. And if there's a situation where there's tragedy, where there's loss, where there's brokenness, where there's sadness, then we weep with those who weep and we still glorify God in all of that and thank him that there's still blessings in the midst of all of that pain. There's still blessings in the midst of the trial, the difficulty. There's always a reason to praise and thank God. There's always a reason, always, always, always a reason to thank God. We can thank God. We can think of people that can't get out of the bed in the morning and they want to be able to walk and to move and to have energy maybe to even play with their children or to be able to go to work or to even take a simple walk. And in the middle of our praying, we can thank God. Thank you, God, that I'm able to get out of bed. Thank you that I'm able to breathe without difficulty. Thank you that I'm able to, to have a roof over my head. Thank, I mean, there's so many things that we could thank God for that we, that we take for granted. And that can be part of our prayer. It's not just about coming before God and, and saying, well, God, I need this or this person needs that or, you know, just leaving it at that and simply and then moving along with our day. All of us, myself included, have forgotten the great privilege and the great glory there is in praying to God. And in the midst of that prayer of thanking him and adoring him, remembering who he is and being in awe of his majesty, being in awe that he would love us so much. I hope that this has been helpful. I hope that it takes you back to scripture to look to see how to pray, even in these few verses. And to again, remind yourself of how our Savior prayed. If you're a believer in Christ and you're listening to this and you trust in him alone for your salvation, that he satisfied the wrath of God on your behalf, becoming the propitiation for your sins and that you are no longer rebellious against God, but you are a child of God and that you trust in him for salvation and eternal life. Remember his words in the garden of Gethsemane when he prayed to the father and he said, not my will, but yours be done. The son of God prayed this way. Others in the Bible have prayed in similar fashion, not my will, but yours be done. God, I don't want my will. I want yours to be fulfilled. And I hope that we'll be reminded of what the Bible says about prayer 
when we do that and when we begin to pray as the Bible instructs us to, we are glorifying God in that. We are putting him, we are, we are remembering who he is and the power and the glory that rests in him. And we're trusting in him. And that's comforting. So keep that in mind when you're praying next time, dear Christian. The power is not in your words. It's not in you. The power is in the one to whom you pray. And he is the sovereign God. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.